Howdy do, everybody. It's your good old friend Tippy Patson here from the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And behold, for I have something to to lay upon you. Okay? Um recently I uh I smoked this uh this drug called uh uh a basuco. It's from Colombia. Uh my buddy gave it to me. It's cocaine paste. You see? Um and I recently been doing some of this and um it occurred to me that last night after some Google searching, um, what happened to me after smoking some bazooko was um, I achieved Tibetan rainbow body. How about that, y'all? Yeah, my body shrank. I got all real tiny. Uh, I started like emitting rainbows from my body and like I smelled really good, as they say, uh, that the people do. And dang old man, I even, you know, I didn't die. I'm good. I'm still good right here, but I even lost a few pounds. So I was thinking, you know, how about I just go dang old on and sell uh, Tippy Patson's Rainbow Body Weight Loss Program. Dang old man, that's right. You know, shed a few pounds the, the Tibetan Buddhist way. And, uh, you know, you can go to my website, um, uh, Tippy Patson and all that, or you can dial... 1-800-SPACELAWYERS.COM uh, for more info. Now, um, a part of this is uh, you need to know more about this bazooko drug, okay? Um, it's very interesting, and uh, it helped me in the whole process of achieving Rainbow Body. Uh, and it's, like I said, it's a cocaine paste. Um, it's extracted, not in laboratories, but like good old-fashioned, like in people's kitchens and stuff. And it's... Uh, it's uh, extracted and dissolved with uh, things like gasoline, sulfuric acid, chloroform, kerosene, uh, acid from car batteries, and then it's and then it's cut, you know, to make bigger uh, and give it a little bit of a punch um, with Ajax, uh, talcum powder, or, you know, ground up bricks or cornstarch and things like that. And on the streets, they call it things like uh, Suzuki, uh, banana little devil and freckles so it's a real dang old fun thing to smoke and it tastes real good y'all so you know smoke some bazooko and uh you know partake in tippy patson's uh rainbow body weight loss program y'all come on let's do it together we'll uh we'll be small tiny people uh with a rainbow body weight and then we'll you know it'll be a good time all right take it easy everybody Be patient, this is a masterful chemist. I am quick to crack your lieutenant right as I smash your apprentice. You rappers get shitted on with such a graphical grimace. It's like I was stabbed with syringes with laxative liquid. I am dopamine. Neurologically transmitting written right into a capsule prescription. They package at your practical clinics. You wanted to take a jab if you with it. I'm tapping a stringent attached to contenders. React, I collapse your appendix. I'm sick. There's not a single vaccine to fix it. I practice in physics just to physically trap you up in it. Explode and disperse. Oh, you smoking this perp to let you know that one dose of this Versus like a methamphetamine wrapped in a sentence You wanted this beef, not every one of your thugs in retreat You bugging, my youngest get as rugged as bums in the streets So fuck it, throw a punch and I'm snatching your guns for your teeth Once this chemical drug is released, you'll be praying to the most high what the fuck did you man. thought, bitch? We give you nothing but that raw shit Epidemics you niggas can forfeit Y'all grass rappers
Welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy, folks. I'm Anthony Tyler. We are broadcasting on the Fringe FM initially, and I appreciate you joining me. I announced last week that I'd be going on a very small break with some bonus episodes coming out of some guest spots that I've done elsewhere. That break will probably happen at some point, uh, but my schedule limbo has continued. It has extended. So here's some more um, sweet action for you. No, honestly, um, uh, just candidly, I'm in the process of starting a new job. And that job requires background checks and certain training. And um, the it's a it's, some of that training process is brand new. So it's a bureaucratic nightmare uh, waiting for all this to finish. So I've just been doing odd jobs and door dashing and, you know, it's uh, doing all right. But um, I can't wait to have a regular schedule again. Look, it'd be great if I never had to work a job, but uh, I'm not at that point. So I would like to get a job where I'm working a regular schedule. That'd be awesome. Um, but it and, and and this podcast has kind of helped me keep a schedule while everything is so random in many cases. So kind of hard to do guest spots right now, uh, bring guests on the show. Uh, but in the meantime, I do have some opportunities to record. So we're going to get into it a little bit. I wanted, uh, there's a lot of follow-up consideration that um i wanted to give on the answer to job episode that is the work done by carl jung have uh, with a much more gnostic approach to the book of job uh jung was he very much had what some would call like a gnostic christian mindset which is a fascination with the christian metaphysics and and a heavier emphasis on the uh the the implication that god is imperfect but that's not quite the right word um as i'm understanding more and more this is going to be an episode with uh that's going to be pretty dense it just you know we're going to be talking about some heady metaphysics and psychology here and there are reasonable starting points of conjecture but the philosophy of it all and what makes it not strictly a science is, you know, there's there's not going to be concrete answers here. Um, and part of having these discussions is, you know, just the simple food for thought and getting it out there, sharing your thoughts with other people so that other people can mull it over and share their thoughts um, and create a dialogue. And that's, you know, what humans have been doing for all of humankind. Uh, and that's how we've gotten this far in the discussion. So, you know, all uh, a small brick in the wall of the great work, as it were. Um, some contextual episodes, you know, I've done the uh, the image of God and the image of the devil. Obviously, answer to Job, a big contextual episode here. Uh, I think that the episode Possession as the uh, uh, looking at the autonomy of trauma is also going to play a, a a fairly key role in this episode. So you could go listen to those if you haven't for further context. But what we're looking at is the idea of existential suffering uh, as a whole, and particularly what it means from the angle 
from the perspective of God? What does that mean for God? It's not just enough to say that there is a devil out there in this uh, symbolic metaphysics that is constantly trying to thwart God, but there is at least one story where um, God and the devil work in conjunction. You know, they have a friendly wager over the the soul of this man, basically. Um, and that is highly morally dubious. So what Jung puts forth and what we talked about in that episode is the idea of the antinomy, a totality of opposites. And um, it truly seems that this is the only way to understand the Abrahamic God. You know, whether whether we're talking Judaism, Islam, Christianity, there is uh there's there are considerations to be made that um these days, especially in the world today, you know, if we're talking about thought forms and the evolution of thought forms, uh, these gods might be different now, you know, uh, compared to you know, comparing Christianity to Islam. But they started from the same sources. It was it all started as a telephone game, and this Abrahamic God Yahweh, as you know, uh, is commonly called in the Christian theology, um, only makes sense. If we understand that it is the totality of opposites, meaning that it is good and evil. But this is what I want to unpack here. What does that mean if God is evil? What does evil mean? Again, um, I highly encourage you to reference those other episodes that I mentioned. It's, well, we're going to be piggybacking off of those uh, conversations there. But suffice it to say that trauma, especially if if compounded enough and unresolved, develops an autonomy. An autonomy is a self-automation. It's a self-directed, self-guided mechanism, if you will. Sentience means that that self-guided, self-directed mechanism is self-aware. Just because you are self-directed does not mean you are self-aware. And we know without question that a great deal of the psychological complexes that the human experience consists of are autonomous, especially trauma. And so what happens when a person, take a very sick person, someone who starts killing other people maybe, uh, what happens when that person has so much compounded trauma in one way or another? There's a lot of different ways we could slice that pie. It doesn't always have to be extremely physical. Um, but when that trauma accrues enough, there's going to need to be some sort of outlet. Um, these things build in our nervous system. They don't go away. You know, the tension, all that stress, you know, the, the trauma and everything that entails does not go away. Anyone who has suffered traumatic experiences that understands PTSD or the variations of it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I've certainly experienced variations of that, you know, certainly not shell shock, no wartime PTSD, but there are large variations. And I think it's, um, you know, a, a, it, it's a fine line. You don't want to start playing a PTSD card um, because that should be reserved for the people who really need to use that card. I think it's that word might be used a little too often, but to say that there are large degrees of post-traumatic stress is is just a very simple common psychological fact 
Um, but I think we can all uh, relate to the emotions that come out of those experiences, right? That's the core of it. You maybe can't relate to being kidnapped or something like that, but you can relate to so many of the feelings that go into it, maybe not even in the same degree. But trauma is a is a very, very defining piece of the human experience and a piece of metaphysics and a piece if we want to understand the full context of, you know, taking Yahweh for the the example to extrapolate from here. Um, if we want to understand the Old and New Testament together, if we really want to understand what the Bible is actually saying, we have to understand that God embodies evil just as much as he embodies good, and that evil is the autonomy of trauma spiraled out. It is when trauma, that autonomous, self-directed buildup of trauma that's needing to come out and isn't coming out through a healthy catharsis or any sort of therapy, it lashes out. You know, it dehumanizes us. It makes us more animalistic in many ways. It takes away our autonomy. And that's why I think that allegories of possession are still relevant in today's world. Um, and in the same way that people can claim PTSD over petty things, um, more often than not, when someone's claiming possession, they're, you know, someone is uh, missing critical pieces of their thought process. You know, they're jumping to conclusions in this case, but maybe not always. And certainly, if we understand that evil is a symbolic word that we use to explain when someone has become so, uh, so wrought with traumatic experiences and psychic tension that they start to lose their autonomy to something that dehumanizes even them. And that's not to say that they're not human, but it, it depersonalizes them. It makes them, it's like a, it's like a maladaptation. It steps backwards. And from that, a lot of terrible things can come, but that, but so what is evil then? Evil is how we define that situation run amok. And that situation, that intense personification of trauma doesn't always manifest evil. And that's how, that's where it gets tricky. There's a lot of cases where that, that manifestation of trauma needs to be nurtured. But in some cases of practical evil, quote unquote, here in the everyday world, you know, uh, certain people are beyond rehabilitation. I have no doubt about that. And, and, and I don't argue that we should uh, do away with the word evil. It does serve a purpose. It serves an important purpose. But if we want to understand metaphysics and the philosophy the, the, of the theologies that we have um, as a, a species adapted around, then we have to understand that God is allegorically working through his own traumas. And so the, uh, the whole idea of the book of Job, um, Jung poses that by understanding the wrong that Yahweh has done unto Job, 
He therefore, in order to reconcile with his omniscience, which he did, he apparently ignored or forgot about. Um, it's not. It's not so much that Christ is sent to save humanity, although that inevitably plays some part of it, but it is at least equal parts that Christ is sent down to save God as well, because he has wronged humanity. Um, he has allowed himself to become, as I said in the episode, uh, petulant, um, ignorant in the case of not consulting his omniscience, um, narcissistic. There's so many things. And and this is the thing. <clears throat> you could say, well, Anthony, um, it sounds like you have a higher opinion of yourself than you do of God. That is not the case. Um, we are analyzing the biography of God as the Bible lays out. So God does go through his own Yahweh, goes through his own character arc. And <clears throat> I'm certainly more than willing to concede that um, it's quite a bit of a character arc, and he does get progressively better and better. But we cannot, uh, and it, we cannot forget um, the the history. And I can't forget my own history. You know, I've I've been, um, I've been petulant. I've been ignorant. Um, you know, I think people toss around narcissist a lot. You know, on the internet, everywhere. Um, you know, that's another loose term, you know, not everyone, you know, we're all human. I think, um, I've seen a lot of good people in fits of rage show a flash of narcissism, uh, and, 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 and then reflected on it and, and realized it afterward, you know, and learned from it. Um, that definitely does not make them a narcissist, you know? So in this case, God being narcissistic symbolically, that doesn't make him a narcissist. Um, but clearly he had issues and 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 here's another important point even symbolically speaking about the image of god here i don't want to worship a god quote unquote that that if translated to the real world would be a psychopathic tyrant all these metaphysics are supposed to be huge grand metaphysical uh you know huge poetic allegories to explain concepts of, of the cosmos and universe that trickle down into our everyday lives. The key there being that if they did not trickle down into our everyday lives, we would not know they existed and would therefore have no use of uh, understanding these things, especially on a historical scale, ancient humans um, uh, using symbols uh, as a study of the you know the biography of human consciousness they didn't have cognitive sciences these things are meant to be applicable to our everyday lives you know made in his image um do unto others as you would have done unto you um you know as above so below these things are all hinting at a at a common theme and especially if you just look in any anybody's theology it all is about taking these concepts and bringing them into your everyday life. That is the whole fucking point. So why would we not do that with God himself? If we take the idea of God, this Old Testament Yahweh, you know, torturing Job, and we brought him into the real world, he would truly be a tyrant. He would be a weird, yes, sir, monstrous, you know, just one of those people that constantly just wanted yes men around him, uh, wanted a bunch of bootlickers, 
and didn't want anyone thinking for themselves and uh, was willing, anybody who did think for themselves, uh, he was willing to resort to uh, genuine violence and intimidation. My God, archetypally speaking, is a reasonable man. Um, He's a God that is willing to take criticism. He's a God that is self-aware. You know, I think that the people I relate the people that I appreciate the most are the people who are indifferent to a compliment as much as they are indifferent to an insult. They take it all in stride. There's a little bit of good and bad in it all. You know, in every compliment, um, someone's ignoring some fact, you know, or trying to, um, or trying to, you know, smooth talk you for their own gain, maybe. And in every insult, there's, maybe a a tiny bit of truth, even if it's like 1%. So I think that the image of God should truly reflect that. And I think that that is the whole point Jung is trying to make when he says that God represents the totality of opposites. So do human beings. And if we're all made in his image, then I don't see what's even controversial about that. God is the grand alchemist. And haven't you, dear listener, at least once in your life felt like you were right about something and, and, and felt very angry? You know, maybe you were really having a fit about it and someone important to you, and maybe they were even taking the brunt of it. You weren't directly mad at them, but you're shouting at them and and they're still absorbing it. And so this person that you appreciate takes you and says, hey, what the hell are you doing? You need to calm down. You're acting like a child. I get why you're mad, uh, but this is not the way to respond. And believe me, I feel where you're coming from. Relax with me. You know, let's take a walk. Let's smoke a joint. Let's let's get out of this situation so that we can reflect on it later. Because I'm not trying to be a dick, but I don't want you to spiral out and continue to be a dick because you're getting into that kind of territory. And I'm and I'm your friend, and it's no big deal. So I'm just letting you know, you know, I've I've had that happen before, in in in, in different ways, and uh, I've always been thankful for it, you know, because those are the people that are not trying to come at you. They're just trying to they're just trying to help you out, and they see that you're having a tough time, and they're trying to give you the facts in a way that don't placate you or you know just yes sir you over and over. I give you the truth because that's you're going to be better for it in the long run. Um, so in Jung's interpretation of the book of Job, simply by not admitting any sort of wrongdoing and standing his ground, Job has to, uh, 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 he, he, he thrusts a projection back onto Yahweh. Suddenly Yahweh has nothing left um, that he can trick his mind into venting about. So, well, you know, upon investigation, he sees that he really has no justification for what he's done to Job. And Job was respectful about it. Job was not ignorant. He was not a petulant child about it. And, and, and he still showed God respect, again, while standing his ground. And as Jung said, is it worth the lion's while to terrify the mouse? Only if you're an asshole. And Yahweh, finally, in all his wisdom, realizes this and says, this is why Job is one of the best. 
he didn't stoop to my level when I was in a fit of rage. And he showed me the light. And this is why I created human beings. So that they could show me the light just as much as I show them. Why would he have created us otherwise? Doesn't make any sense. Just to watch us run around? No. There... Things are deeper than that. If 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 any of this is real, you know, and obviously, how do I dig myself out of this? You know, to recall the 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 term biography of human consciousness here. We're studying things that are real but not literal. Forces of nature, um, you know, and and, and all the things that we've talked about. So they are real, just not in that literal sense. Uh, what does that mean exactly? I don't know fully. You know, that's part of the whole conversation here. But these things do follow patterns. And the reason that you think they don't follow patterns or that anybody thinks they don't, an atheist looks at Christianity and says, this makes no sense, is because the interpretation that you're given constantly doesn't make any sense. And the translations haven't really helped that. But these things followed rules and patterns. They were systems once upon a time. And 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 part of the whole supposition of any theology is that these things don't just randomly happen. It's not just a whim. There's deep significance to everything. The only deep significance that could possibly found from the creation of human beings is the same deep significance, the only significance really that we can find from anything we create, especially when it doesn't have practical use like a building. Art, the only significance it has is the reflection that we can find um, of ourselves in the art and not just ourselves, because that would be that'd be very one way and 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 uh, in a way narcissistic. Um if you didn't at least understand that part of that beauty was that everyone can see their reflection in that art if they choose to, and that if you pay attention, you can see their reflection in that art. And of course, God, you know, allegorically, the, we are God's art. We are God's dream. So calling God out is not some sort of demonic thing. It's a, and, and as far as I'm concerned, it's not even, um, it's not even being like rude or disrespectful to God. If anything, I'm helping a friend out. And that's what Job did. You know, like I said before, my God isn't a tyrant. He's not a petulant child. He's a reasonable man, archetypally speaking. All right. I think that's good for a commercial break right now. Stick with me. Uh, we'll talk about more uh, about the feminine goddess after this, because it's not all just about masculine bullshit, right? Um, there is a polarity to everything. The union of opposites does not leave out the feminine it uh the the quote unquote masculine and feminine you know and again we're not getting into gender identities either these are much more esoteric than that uh they play equal roles and they can be found much more deeply embedded in the cosmos than the gender identities that's a very frivolous thin layer on top that most people choose to only see all right more after the break. This is Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm Anthony Tyler. Stick with me. Yo. 
I grabbed a pen without no hesitation My style is in the dead, your reputation I fill your head with sedatives and heavy medication To you hallucinate and elevate through meditation My wicked team was fit to get the green like vegetation I grabbed a clip with an intention to twist A miss wax bitters for type of dimension to stiss Open riffs, if you blitz, I leave you stricken with fists From out the realms of a malicious abyss Hex nigga, the line filler Wicked lyrics filler with coded language You think you innocent, I'm a tiller, my flow is anguish You clock a door, then do like a killer and roll with cannons Cause for the thriller, you're my gorilla to go bananas, make you doubt the entity you pray to, and out of my vicinity I'll take you, my state of mind with mine is like a movie scene, I break you, you take one of mine, I'ma take two, my lyrics can raise you, lace you over the vocals and erase you, then I lower the mids and let the bass through, y'all do it like the fakes do, real them seeds is who be giving praise to, taking over the game and get the K2, cause I'm a problem, I wonder why you fucking with me, known to grip a beat and heat it up a hundred degrees, I'm hungry for V, and I got my fleet hunted with me, shit y'all niggas need to study for me, motherfuckers, cause I'm a problem, Son, I wonder why you fucking with me Known to grip a beat and heat it up a hundred degrees I'm hungry for beef And I got my fleet honey with me So get your books out and study for me Motherfuckers, I'm a problem Hey, yo, I'm riding to death Call me Sion, designer, perfect The blood supply to my test can prove I am the best My mind can detect the energy that I can reflect That's saying ultraviolet ways and raise that line in my flesh If I ain't the best flying lines, man, cause I ain't impressed I've been dying to put these fire lines to the test But now I'm just chilling with villains and vets and goons I find still in the pillin' of millions of necklace juice I'm in the yard stretching my ketchup and vegetables You into hard flexing and exit with exit wounds Controlling y'all, you can go and get who you want involved I'm throwing crowns, exploding and leaving your scolders off Yelling made Days, your protocol. I'm spitting the sense, so I should be hitting the pen like a bowling ball. I got a trick for all you small Alex and know it all. Y'all all fake, y'all spitting a line and forward fraud. Grab you and break 52 bones apart. Aim at your chest and play 52 pickup like I was throwing cards. Overall, I'm wishing living happily, grinning. It has to be given away. My balls are locked and shackled in prison. Half of my writings are trouble puzzles trapped in the system like capitalism. That's a perfect prime example I'm giving. All I did was ask you to listen, but you find it confusing. Find a solution. You the mathematician. Cause I'm a problem. Why you fucking with me? Known to grip a beat and heat it up a hundred degrees. I'm hungry for V, and I got my fleet hunted with me. Shit, y'all niggas need to study for me, motherfuckers. Cause I'm a problem. Son, I wonder why you fucking with me. Known to grip a beat and heat it up a hundred degrees. I'm hungry for V, and I got my fleet hunted with me. So get your books out and study for me, motherfuckers. Cause I'm a problem. Has gravity got you down? Do you not understand the difference between a wave or a particle? What about the planets? How do all those rotate around each other? Laws of physics and other sciences can be confusing. So the next time you're curious just how exactly E equals MC squared, hire a highly trained and qualified professional. That's right, it's space lawyers. Space lawyers are skilled in litigation with the laws of time, space, cosmic ghost pirates, and various other lawyerings. Each space lawyer has a PhD in space law from the Cosmic Hall of Space, space Justice, and they can get you out of just about any sticky situation. So stop bonking your head on things, or accidentally creating big bangs with your haphazard studies in quantum, quantum physics. physics. Leave all of that to the highly trained professionals prepared to litigate these laws for you. Just call 1-800-SPACELAWYER.COM for more info. Space, Space Lawyer? Lawyer.
Space lawyers cannot be used in a regular court of law. They can only accept cash and no cosmic traveler checks nor visa debit cards. Please wait up to four cosmic business days for our space lawyers to get back to you. Hello, everybody. It's, uh, it's your friend, uh, Jefferson Tillamook Slinger, codename. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I don't have any products to sell you at the moment, but I did have to, uh, I just wanted to, uh, let everybody know that I recently watched this, uh, Aminal Planet documentary about how mermaids and people actually exist, uh, and also dragons exist too. I mean, Aminal Planet wouldn't make these things up. It's very 100% true, or just about as true as a Bill Hicks being Alex Jones. So, supposedly the theory is, uh, when we were, when we were, used to be the monkeys, um, some of the monkeys, like, ended up hanging up close to the water, and like, instead of getting all hairy, they got it really scaly, and like, had a bunch of like, gills and like, fins and stuff, like, really crazy, and uh, in the, if you watch the Amino Planet documentary, um, they have like these super realistic, uh, like accounts where you could see like the mermaid, like his, his hand, his little webbed hand is up against the glass, and like it's like very realistic, like like the best PS2 cutscenes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so uh, I guess mermaids are actually a thing, you know mermaids and mer people so uh is it illegal to own one is the question i want to know i would like to own a mer person i know we couldn't have the dolphins around here anymore but maybe a mer dude would be pretty fun or maybe a mer lady i'm not sure i guess we could cross that bridge when we get there anyway um mer people are people too so, and dragons exist. So, pretty crazy shit. Uh, goodbye. Hello. Hello, my name is, is Jim. Uh, they tell me that I've gone by the name Silverback Commando here. See, I... Um, I'm a little bit of a substance abuser. I just finished like a 10 or 15 year bender from LSD. I've been blacking in and out this whole time. I have a wedding ring on my finger. Uh, I think I had children. You know, I'm sorry, ch children. I'm sorry. Uh, daddy's been gone a long time. I came to, I finally ran out of LSD and I came to here in the Everglades surrounded by these fucking lunatics. Uh, Tippy Patson. A cloning lab manager, supposedly a cosmic pirate, and also I've heard that I've done unspeakable things to dolphins. Lord forgive me, I'm very sorry. I think I was originally from Portland, please, if anyone knows where my wife is, or my children, or can help me get out of here, I'm very scared. I'm very scared, these people are crazy. They seem harmless, you know, they're nice enough, but... Shit is crazy around here. Way too many drugs, for starters. I've been trying to live clean, and this has gotten out of hand. 
you know so if anyone's got the name of like um some sort of great hypnotherapist i have a lot of therapy i need please my name is jim formerly known as silverback commando and i got to get the hell out of here okay okay um you know spread the word spread the word all right i gotta go Salutations, Brotendo. It is I, as always, Muscle Tornado. Um, I don't have any DMT on hand, so what I've been doing instead, dude, is uh, while I'm waiting for more, I've just been snorting a bunch of uh, lines of pixie sticks. And, you know, um, not, not bad. Not bad. So, um... Yeah, um, just, uh, some of you may have heard that, uh, um, I recently lost an eyeball due to some, um, depressurization, uh, from shipping myself in a crate from the Everglades to Finland. But rest assured, um, I have a really cool eye patch now, so it's working out well. And I also, I've been doing some research on some obscure forums and as i understand it now um depth perception doesn't really have anything to do with both eyeballs it's just uh how strong your eyes are so if you have poor depth perception um you just you're just not good enough you have weak eyeballs like a beta male and if you train your eyes properly, you can actually see in 14 dimensions. <laughs> Pretty sweet. And I'm, uh, and you're probably wondering to yourself, but Muscle T, uh, can I do this? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and luckily, if you're wondering how to do this too, you can get, uh, my, my new instructional 14D eyeball strength training treatment um, now on Laserdisc that you can find on the website uh, tippypatson dot uh, forward slash dot dot com uh, dot edu yeah <laughs> righteous alright you take it easy out there guys and gals and hey everybody else out there you know um, I'm a cool guy and uh, muscle tornado is uh, all right i'm over and out thank you Good bottle. it was a stone group my man you are the most right yeah right just get the fuck out man let's go Welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy, folks. Thanks for sticking with me through that commercial break. We're continuing to talk about uh, like the evolution of God, essentially, the archetype. And um, a lot of that has been a follow-up on Jung's work, The Answer to Job. I also wanted to point out that it is very interesting to emphasize the, the, the evolution of the idea of God. 
because when we're talking about the image of God, the archetype of God, um, I think it's important, really important to reiterate the fact that it doesn't just start with the consideration of Yahweh, this idea of the image of God that has taken on so many different names all serves the same purpose, all comes from the same human need, this 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 deep existential adaptation quality that doesn't end with adaptation. That's just the beginning. And I, I, I wouldn't even claim to know where it ends, but it's a deep force of nature that um, coalesces with the human experience and therefore has been with us all throughout. I'm reminded of Jung's quote, at the end of his life, uh, when asked in an interview if he believed in God, he said, I don't need to believe, I know. And I think this is what he meant, because he didn't explain that further. But if you read any of Jung's work, this is what he meant. The idea of God, the image of God is so pervasive that there's no question that it is it is serving a purpose, a deep purpose that we cannot fully understand. But it is not a literal purpose. These things should not be taken literally. And if we look at the void that the image of God has filled throughout history, we see a continuum. We see a continuous biography of this symbolic nature. And as you can see, we uh, haven't really had the creation of new gods. We have chaos magic stuff where people start to work with crazy shit like My Little Ponies and superheroes and um, so you could, you know, we, we live in like a post theological world where if the, if new things are being made, they come from art or they become cults. So it's interesting that the evolution has shifted in the biography of God and we have uh, kept the gods of old for quite a long time now. It doesn't seem like they're going anywhere either. And Yahweh as one of the most recent inventions born from the image of god and something that is close to me something that i was raised with specifically um i don't know it bears investigation that it's one of the most recent and so aside from the fact that culturally i'm just embedded with christianity um that is a huge reason why i am interested in yahweh but we've been talking about god a lot and I don't want people to think that I have just this very single-minded monotheistic view because I I wouldn't even call myself polytheistic. Um I don't I don't think those the questions that those words are the answers to are not the right questions. Um as I've said these are forces of nature, cosmic forces of nature that coalesce with the human experience. We don't know where the trail of breadcrumbs ends. And so we use allegories, poetry, um, which becomes theology, but also continues in our art. We use these things to express them and to explore them. And I see the reality in all these things. And since I am an alchemist, you know, it, there is equal parts feminine as there are masculine. And Jung points out in uh, answer to Job as he does other places, that femininity esoterically is best represented by wisdom. Masculinity has all this action. There's all this action, but no context. 
Without the esoteric feminine principle, there is just senseless creation and destruction. And the intervention of the divine feminine, uh, Gnostically called Sophia, is uh, is part of what uh, creates this awakening in Yahweh and allows him to come to the conclusion that Christ needs to be born as a two-way street to save the relationship between humanity and the divine. And he and and Jung also, for whatever it's worth, goes on to further note that if you just read the Bible as it is, you can't really interpret Mary as a human. If she was, she isn't anymore. She's doing clearly inhuman things. Um it's just like on a categorical level, she becomes a goddess at that point. And there were many Christian interpretations that did hold Mother Mary as a goddess and also gave a lot of importance to Mary Magdalene as well. Uh, but we know that the Catholic Church made it their job to eradicate all that. You know, they took the book of uh, Mary Magdalene out of the Bible um, and the the sects of Christianity that worshipped Mother Mary as a goddess were eradicated. So. To say that um, there aren't goddesses in Christianity is debatable, highly debatable. And, and and personally, in my opinion, I think it's without question. And again, just to reiterate, you don't have to identify with these basic binary gender norms in order to understand the esoteric significance of the masculine and feminine. It's in everybody. It represents the marriage of opposites, the reconciliation, the totality of opposites, the individuation process that we're all seeking, um, you know, the union of our conscious and unconscious. And to bring it back to the beginning a little bit, um, a reclamation of the autonomous mechanisms in our psyche that have run amok, you know, a transmutation of the trauma. Um, and again, without the divine feminine principle, there is no context. You know, just just trying to bang nails into walls. And then speaking of the divine feminine, um, definitely going to be getting some ladies on the show soon. I have um, <clears throat> I've reached out to some ladies, so we got that in the books. Just like I said at the beginning, um, I. I'm not able to actually schedule anything yet, but we're going to be probing the the idea of the divine feminine a lot more. You can't have alchemy without it. So I guess if we were to put a cherry on top of this whole thing, um, you know, the most brash thing I'll say is I do think that the common exoteric Christian interpretation that we have today is all wrong. You know, it came from a good starting point and has been completely reinterpreted through the telephone game it's not even what it was originally intended to be it's it's largely different in fact and i uh i don't think it is part of god's plan or god's true intentions even if god himself doesn't know it it's not part of his true intentions to just be yes sir all the way to heaven there is morality there it, there there is ethics but that's a two-way street, or at least it should be. And if it isn't, then something is wrong and something needs to change. Because if we don't hold 
the images of our gods accountable. They just become devils, right? And if that's the case, then why are we even um, entertaining these poetic allegories to begin with? It's tough to read these things with a stripped view, you know, all deprogramming all the spiritual propaganda that we've been, you know, just bombarded with all our lives. But it's just in the texts. So, in the long run, I think that uh, Job is truly one of the best examples on how to fall in style, as Buzz Lightyear said. Um, he truly did. He he fell. He crashed hard with a lot of grace. So much grace that he made God doubt himself, and rightfully so. And that's also not to say that Christ came directly as an answer to Job. There was more to that. Um, I think that's another important cherry on top, that Job was a focal point that Jung used to explain, and he went into a lot of other archetypal similarities, uh, Cain and Abel, the book of Revelation. He went. He talked about other prophets like Ezekiel and Elijah and Enoch. So there's a whole lot going on here, but Christ was an answer to a larger question that Job brought to Yahweh's attention uh, as one of many people. And I think, you know, to give Job some credit, perhaps the most important straw that broke Yahweh's back or one of. So anyway, I guess maybe Job, patron saint of Black Hoodie Alchemy, what a champion. And, you know, praise be to uh, both the Divine Mother and Father. And, and, Lastly, yeah, as as I said, um, while it is easy to maybe look at Jung's interpretation as something um, almost spiteful towards God, you know, he's got a bone to pick with God. It truly isn't. As I described before, I think that the uh, the the true image of God is one that thrives on what you might call constructive criticism just as a healthy human being does because it's all as above so below it's all part of a continuous um intersected process the great work and god is an alchemist the gods and goddesses are all alchemists in one way or another and i think that'll do it for this week folks there'll be more coming around the bend kind of taking it week by week a little bit at the moment but i got um some fun content next week that I, I I know for sure what is coming out and I'm very excited for you to hear it. Hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, stick around. There's going to be a lot more. I don't expect any gaps um, in any releases, even if there's some bonus episodes released. I'm going to keep bringing it for you. So stick around. Uh, don't forget, I'm Anthony Tyler. This is Black Hoodie Alchemy. Take it easy, everybody. As we break free from times of chains Minds of pain, the devil tormented To the minds insane Rise again from the ashes, fall and rise to fame Highs of pain, burn circles through the fabric of life On average night, the satellites be Watching the plot, they got us caged in space To the dollars and clocks Got a gang called the cops that got us on lock We fly a burning flag, democratic process Engulfed in flames, where justice is supply Man begging for your change And nothing's guaranteed but taxes and death You get both Crash a passenger jet, don't make sense How we go broke, waiting on paychecks Stomach pain, sweat to maintain Just to pay rent, poor man Indigenous to dead enslavement Righteous man,
sleep wet? Can I let my head rest? The struggle got me stressed. Weight on my chest feel like a lead vest. When can I sleep wet? Can I let my head rest? Democrat, Republican, they all look different So you focus in, they share the same covenant Playing tricks with the rhetoric Don't entertain the games by staying two steps ahead of them Thought they had the best of them Locked with a spiritual deficit Poverty leads to hunger and hunger But sends the messages to minds Receptive to follow the whispers Decisions need the exorcist Need the strength to put my fist up A toast to this moment of peace Hope it's like a wish to do is to believe I am the change I want to see The rest will follow when this energy accumulates It takes two to hate why soldiers hold the blanks to lead the way? Monetary change, stuck in another man's game. The story goes, but me, I'm rewriting the story, yo. Like a lead vest, when can I sleep? When can I let my head rest? 